Well, good morning, everybody. Grab your coffee, get comfortable, because we're going into week seven of our online platform for church. And uh, we want you guys to be engaged today. I just want you guys to really open your hearts because I feel like this is a fantastic message. And I'm sincere about this. I believe God wants to speak to some of you and just bring life into some challenging circumstances. And speaking of circumstances, anybody over it? This thing has seemed like it's just kind of gone on and on and on. And that's kind of why we're in the series in between. We started last week with this series where we're beginning to look at the exodus of God's people from Egypt as they leave slavery and are on their way to the promised land because it's the journey you and I are all on as followers of Jesus. We've left our old lives when we entered life in, in Jesus and put our faith in him. And yet there's this big gap, it seems like, between the life we've left and the promise of the eternal life with God or Jesus returning. And it's this in-between we're talking about. So let me just begin by asking, do you have a morning routine that you love? Well, I used to, but you see, because of my health issues, some of you know I'd, I'd struggled with a, an infection in my liver that just about killed me. Well, um, my doctor has me on a routine. So first thing in the morning, I'm supposed to take this juice. So I got up the juicer, I've got a juicer now, and, and he wants me to have this cup full of ginger and garlic. I know it's a delicious combination. You've got to try this. So what I do is my routine in the morning now, get out all the, the tools and get out the, the grinder or the thing. And I put all, I slice it all up, clean it all, prepare it all, and I juice it all up. And then it's like, so from the morning wake up to when I first say hello to Jesus to the time that I actually look forward to the most in my day, which is when I get to sit in the quiet and just enjoy the silence of time with God, that in between, there's this yuck. I, I can't even describe it any other way because I get this cup of this juice and I'm telling you, it'll curl your hair. It is some strong, potent stuff. And as I take that, I have learned that I just have to kind of like ugh, just choke it down. It is so strong. It is so nasty, but it's also so good for me, I'm told. And the point of that is it's, it's like I've learned that in this transition, in this time where as my body is kind of going through its healing processes, I'm, I'm learning a new way to live and a healthy way to, to go about my day with my food choices and all these things. I, I have these choices I have to make that are sometimes like, they just don't taste real good. They don't feel real good, but they're so incredibly healthy for me. And I think sometimes when I, when I look at my day, I look at the morning like, oh man, I'm awake now. Oh, I've got to get through this tasty, nasty stuff to get to the thing I love. That's kind of where some of you are in life. It's like, man, you started out good and strong and all the promise and, and the vision for what you would be and what you would do. And, and yet to get there, you got to go through all this, this yuck. That's our life. That in-between is our life because we only live in the in-between. We don't live in the reality, the future. We don't live in the past. We only live in this moment. So my routine has changed because now what I've learned is that rather than take this terrible stuff and just, you know, let it ruin my morning, I literally take it into my time with Jesus. So I'll go sit out in the quiet and, and I'll take that so I get to combine those two things and it's transformed my morning. But what I want to talk about today is we want to pick up in the story of Exodus where we left off last time. Because what I believe is that so many of us, we start on our journey with Jesus and we put our faith in him. And there's that instant moment where we go from death to life, from children of wrath to children of promise. 
And that's an, an extremely powerful and life-changing you know, thing. We call that we, we call that justification, where God literally removes us of our sin and guilt, takes it and places it on Jesus. We're new. But then there's that after step, the step that goes from there to the life God always dreamed for us, and that's called sanctification, where we actually live out and learn new practices for how to walk in the ways of God. That's where the children of Israel find themselves. So as we left off last week, these like two million people, they estimate, upwards of a million and a half, two million people have been in slavery in Egypt. And for years, for 430 years, they have been there waiting for their deliverance. Finally, their hearts got so fed up, they began crying out to God and turning back to the one true God, Jehovah. And God heard their prayers and he works miraculously through Moses, brings about these plagues. And the final plague is this thing where he brings about through the Passover and the death angel, he brings about the freedom of his people from Egypt. Pharaoh finally says, okay, get your people and get out. And we left off where they were on their way, leaving that place where they had just entered new life, new covenant with God. They're just breaking forth into freedom because Exodus is all about freedom. It's all about liberation. That's what our story is as we meet Jesus. But then it's that process of getting there from there to the promised land we find ourselves. It's that in-between. So today we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp at Pi-Hiharoth, between Migdal and the sea. So God literally tells them, Go park right up against the shoreline. So they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain the glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We let the Israelites go and have lost their services. I love how they say their services. In other words, their slavery. They do everything for us. We've lost it. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. And he took 600 of the best chariots of Egypt, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with all the officers over all of them, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, the horsemen, the troops, they pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea opposite Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Actually, that is not anything like what they said. They cried out to God and asked for a deliverer and God sent one, but their memory got a little fuzzy right about here. So he says, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people. And here's where I want to zoom in. Do not be afraid. Stand firm 
and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. He will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Now here's the part. You need only be still. God's going to work your salvation. God's going to bring about a great change. God's going to do a miraculous thing, but you need to be still. And I love how certain commentators hold this. There's, there's so much going on here that I want to break it down, but I just want to break down into a few observations and then some application today. So here's observation number one. Going the long way with God is better than going the short way without him. Going the long route with God is, is so much better than taking a shortcut by yourself. I know you think, but I know where I want to be, and I know how to get there, and I've read the books, and I've listened to the series, I've seen other people's lives, and there's a quicker way to get the place I want to be, but God seems to be leading you a circuitous route, a roundabout, a, a back roads way, and it's hard. And I read this week that for men on foot, as they left Egypt, for men on foot by themselves, it would have taken three to four days to make the journey from Egypt to the land of promise, to the land of Canaan, where they were supposed to be headed. Even with children and women and livestock and all of those things, at that pace, it would have taken 11 days, roughly, to 13 days to make that journey from Egypt to Canaan. That is a wild time because what we learn later is that it took them 40 years, 40 years to make that journey. Yes, God was leading them a slower way, but honestly, we'll break it down later. A lot of that was their choice. It was their fault. Most of it was on them, but let's be honest. God did lead Israel out of Egypt to a dead end at the Red Sea. He literally led them to that space where they were trapped on one side by the ocean, two sides by mountains, and behind them, the armies of Egypt. Why? We talked last week about the truth that God doesn't always take us the short way. In fact, in my experience, God rarely takes me the shortcut. As a matter of fact, I feel sometimes that God has to put me on the slow bus for everything. I'm always on the longest route to get somewhere. It feels to me like if there's an indirect path, if there's a way that it'll cost you more and take you longer, that's the road I'm on. And I've discovered that a lot of that has to do with my nature, my character, my hard-headedness, but a, a lot of it has to do with God's incredible grace and his patience that he wants to lead me in a way that will transform me. There's a couple reasons I've discovered God does it this way. First of all, to reveal his glory. We see in Exodus 14, 4, that God is wanting to, he's wanting to reveal to the world who he is. God is constantly revealing to us his innate properties, his power, his might and his greatness. In Exodus 14, 4, it says, I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And some people think, oh, because God was being mean. No, he was revealing to them that there is one true God to abandon their plethora of lesser gods, little g gods, the no gods, and to actually follow the one true God. He was revealing to the world. This is an act of grace. He's saying, look at me. This is who I am. I made you. I'm your God. And it's hard to trust a God you don't respect. It's, it's even harder to love a God you don't know. And the only way to learn the respect and to learn that kind of relational love 
is for God to take them into a journey where they actually bond together with them. It's like families that take trips together, road trips or experiences together. You just bond. It's like people who go to war together or people who experience life in some way, tragic or difficult, they just bond together. God wanted to bond them to him. So it's to reveal his glory, but also it's to develop our character. God knows precisely what it will take to bring you to the place where you fully realize the potential of who you were destined and designed to be. God knows that it's not an easy thing for people in our situation, broken and fallen, separated from God because of sin, because of the world, because of circumstances. It's hard for us to move in the direction of our destiny. There's so many distractions. There's so many other things calling our our name. But God knows that there are difficulties and challenges and these roots that are roundabout sometimes that will actually develop in us what he wants to do to prepare what he wants to do through us. That's what God is doing. Sometimes you think, man, but look at my, look at the, my coworkers. And they took that, they like got the shortcut. I mean, I've been here for so many years and look at this person just comes in and immediately they're like, you know, the, they're like the favorite child. They're like the, the special one. They've why is it that it seems like nothing works out for me? I'm, I'm here. Don't I count? And maybe you feel like you've been waiting patiently for God to bring that special person into your life. And it's like, God, but I'm doing the right thing. I'm holding myself pure. I'm, I'm following you. I'm trusting you. But what's happening? And God, is t- he's taking you on this long journey, it seems, developing you in ways that you can't even see. And it's hard. And that may be true that sometimes it feels like, man, God isn't taking you the short route. But let me just tell you, God is also protecting you. I I believe this with all my heart, that what God's up to in some of those moments where it feels like it's going on and on and on, it's kind of like in the wilderness as he's drawing us close and the relationship, he's building not only our faith in him as we watch him work, but he's building our relationship with him as we draw close in our difficulty. That's God's work in the long way around. And it's not only that, it's by taking us the long way around that God prepares us for what he's already destined us for. It's our destiny that God has in mind, and we're looking at immediacy. He's looking at destiny, we're looking at immediacy. I need now, and he's like, but you have no idea the deep work I'm doing in you. It isn't just about where you're going as a follower of Jesus. It's about what's happening in you. It's about what God's doing inside of you. It's not about the route you're taking it's about what's taking place in the relationship. So some of us get so obsessed with where God is taking us on our route that we get blinded by this. You know, God is preparing you for the things he has dreamed for you, he's planned for you. Whatever season you're in, in the in-between, I just want you to lean in today because, man, God knows, God knows he's doing something great in you when you trust him and when you're doing all that you know to do, you can trust that he is working something on your behalf. There's a long way around, but please hear me. The long way around is not a punishment, it's preparation. The long way is not punishment, it's preparation. And if we understood the difference between punishment and preparation, we wouldn't be fighting against God. We'd be joining him, trusting him, leaning in. And maybe today you need to know that God has not forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you. It's not too late. God has not walked away and left you somewhere on a shelf. God has not forgot that he had you. And he's not decided that he's going to move on and take another kid and use them. God's promises will come to pass as you faithfully hold fast during the long ride, during the in-between. Draw near to him. What he said is, I want them to understand who I am, revealing my glory. 
that they will know that I am the Lord. That's what he's wanting to do in you, is to help you understand how great, how powerful, and then how good he is. Draw near. Do what you already know to do, and God will open the destiny before you. Faith isn't enough to fulfill your destiny, I'm afraid. What we learn in scripture is it's faith plus patience. We have to hold fast, not just believe. Holding fast, and that's a hard thing. In this generation of instant everything, I mean, come on, in what generation in the history of the world have you had instant everything? I mean, we have things, they'll bring us our food for heaven's sakes. I mean, it's happening a lot right now. Some of you are eating something right now probably that somebody delivered to you. We are experiencing that. I mean, don't even have to do anything anymore because of Miss Alexa and Miss Siri and Mr. Google. We can just speak out loud and tell them, hey Siri, hey Alexa, and things will happen. I mean, it's the first time in history that you just have to talk and something happens. That's why it's so difficult for us to hold fast and be patient because we're used to instant, we're used to fast. But you know what doesn't change fast? You. You know what doesn't develop quickly? Your character. That's why God takes us sometimes a slow route. That is life in between is preparation for our ultimate destiny. And I want to pick up from here because I was talking to some people this week and, and what people are learning in this time of slowdown, a time of change. People who are tuning into this are really having deep transformation. They're sensing a depth to their relationship with God as they're taking the time to walk through the scriptures, to be quiet and be still and, and just enjoy some of that moment, the moments of solitude. So sometimes God takes us the long way home. But that brings us to our second observation. Our mouths not only reveal our hearts, but they also have the power to influence the hearts of others. Our mouths, what we say, what we speak, not only can, not only can it reveal what's going on in us, it actually has the power to impact the lives of those around us. We go back to this verse in verse 11. It said, they said to Moses, was it because there weren't graves in Egypt? Moses, why did you bring us out here basically? Why did you bring us here to die? Because we could have, they had pretty nice graves in Egypt. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And now this is the passage. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Moses is basically hearing all, all these complaints. Everybody's getting all riled up and it's like they're literally panicking. And I love that scholars read this as not a encouragement. Just be still. God's, it's going to be okay. It's actually a command. It's, an, it's a reprimand. He's saying, hush up. Or as some scholars say, the best translation is, shut up, people. <laughs> Stop your complaining. Haven't you learned anything from the 10 plagues in Egypt? Don't you remember anything about what just happened when God brought us out miraculously with the Passover experience? Moses had to tell them, be still. Stop your, your fussing and watch God deliver us again. Now, Moses is a great leader at this moment because basically he has to step up to the plate, which leaders do, right? Do you, do you think that Moses knew what God was up to or how God was going to deliver them? Because I don't. Verses later tell us that Moses was then crying out to God and God had to literally stop him and say, okay, quit crying out to me. Now get up and act, go move. But right here, Moses has to step out in faith in order for the other people to come along. He has to basically use his words to tell other people, trust in God, it's going to work. God is on our side. 
even when his heart somewhat may have been a little bit iffy on it. I don't know what he was feeling. He had to stand firm. And, and sometimes that's what you have to do. As a leader, as a parent, as a follower of Jesus in a non-faith or a low-faith environment, you have to be the one that says, we can trust God in this. Everybody, hush up. Everybody, get a grip. Everybody, slow down. Just be still a moment. I, I can't just even tell you how many times I've been the one that's maybe just a half inch ahead of my team because inside I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How's this going to work out? But I'm the leader, so I've got to be out in front. And maybe it's just a half inch where I'm saying, God, God's, guys, God's got this. Maybe, maybe it's just like, hey, we can do this. Or maybe it's me looking to Lori and she's saying, hey guys, God's got this. Half the time I think that's it. But really as a leader, sometimes you have to step up. You have to say, you know what? God didn't bring us here to let us fail. God's got a plan. Let's hold fast. Be still, trust him. And I wonder what Moses was really thinking and feeling as, as he goes into that experience. But you know what he says? He says, let's take a pause. Let's go back to our base. God has us here for a reason. Let's trust him. Look, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we've got to trust God. And, and no wonder he had to tell them to be quiet because all of the noise around him was just bringing his heart into a place of unrest. And maybe that's what's going on in your world. Maybe you have all this noise around you. Maybe the circumstances, the experiences, the people, those that are surrounding you at work or at home, they're negative voices, they're complaining voices, they're fearful voices. And maybe God has given you a moment right now where just as a, as a kind reassurance and as a firm, maybe just insistence, hey guys, we've got this. God has this. He didn't bring us here for no reason. He's going to lead us through. Because you need to understand this. Moses understood that unspoken doubt dies in the mouth. When we don't speak out our doubts, they literally get to just die in our mouth. And then they, the time passes. The moment of fear goes away. That panic gets settled down. Just be silent and you'll see the salvation of God, he says. But if you continue to murmur, if you continue to grumble, if you continue to complain, basically, you're going to miss the purposes of God in this moment. You're going to miss the direct deliverance. You're going to miss the experience God wants you. You're going to miss the point of this in-between moment. You're going to miss it if you just keep whining and complaining and miss the fact that God is trying to step in and show you his greatness right now. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And some of you, be honest, you're speaking death right in your situation right now. I know it. I, I hear it. Some people are speaking death over their marriage, over their children, over their situation, over their careers, over their future, because all you're doing is talking about the negative, the problems, the victimhood and fear and doubt, and, and you're reinforcing all of that stuff that Moses was telling the people, stop, take a, take a pause, recenter, refocus on the fact that God has brought us this far. He did this for a reason. He will see us through. And, and you need to find something right now, maybe great about your kids and celebrate it. You need to look for something amazing about your spouse, even if it's the color of their eyes or, or the way they look today and just call it out and encourage them with it. Right now, when there's so much negativity and so much weirdness going on, we just need people who are champions of positivity and trust and faith in this environment. Find something currently good in your situation and tell people about it. 
Be the proclaimer of good and, and good news. This is hard for most of us. I, I know if you're like me, I can be the negative voice sometimes. I can be the one that we call it realist. I'm the realist. But actually, we're maybe the faithless. So right now, this week, no matter what's happening, find good in whatever your circumstances are and call out the good and trust God with it. Speak that life over people, over circumstances, over the, the surroundings that you are in and let people enjoy that moment with you. Let people join you in celebrating God's goodness. The power of life and death is in your tongue. So what are you speaking? Life or death? Are you speaking life? Because we frame our world with our words. So what words are you speaking? Are you speaking? What words are you speaking over your coworkers? What words are you speaking over your friends? What words are you speaking over your spouse, or your family, your children? What words are you speaking over your boss, the leaders of our world, the church? What words are you speaking over yourself? Some of you need to take your daughters and you just need to stand them in front of the mirror and say, good morning, awesome. Look at you, you're beautiful. You know why? Because I read this week that in an average day, our world assaults us with 4,000 images or suggestions of our not being enough. Not tall enough, not skinny enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not whatever, not enough. And our daughters are in this onslaught of negativity. They need to be reminded, I see who you are, I see your beauty, and just call it out. They need to be reminded of who they are, not in comparison with everything else, but who they are, who God made them to be, and who you see them to be. We need to take our sons, and we just need to champion their character. We need to call out the good. We need to just remind them that you are all you need to. You are enough. You are, you are all that is necessary for, to be the man God called you to be, and with God. You can be all the things and accomplish all the things. As you follow him, you can do all that God has put in your heart to do. You have what it takes to be a real man. And I'm so proud of you. Our kids need to hear these voices. They need to hear these kinds of statements over them. And what they need to know is that in Christ, through Christ, they're more than enough. He made them in his image. He gifted them with potential, with power, with insight. They're filled with his goodness, with his grace, with his mercy. They can be anything and do anything he has gifted and called them to do. They can be what God set them out and designed them to be. So help them not to agree with the negative media, not to buy into all the comparisons, not to listen to the destructive words. And your words, that's my point, your words have the power to lift and encourage and heal their hearts. Leaders, we have to do this kind of things. Parents, this is one of our primary roles. Followers of Jesus, we are the voice in a dark world offering hope. We are the voice. Moses was silencing the negative, but because the complaining was making everyone sick, everyone fearful. And when, when you read verses 15 and 16, it seems like Moses may have been feeling a little uncertain about it himself. Once he heard all their neg negativity, it seems like it was impacting him. So he starts crying out to God, and then God says, okay, Moses, enough of this. Just get up and get started. So we pick up in Exodus 14, verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. God moved from in front 
so he could protect their back. The Egyptian army was just a little ways away and all of Israel was huddled up just waiting for God's deliver. But God was actually working in that moment. When you follow his direction, you can count on his protection. And I'm not saying that nothing bad will ever happen, but when you're trusting and stepping in step with God, when you're following his promptings, his commandments, it's up to God then to deal with the enemies. We continue the story, verse 21. When Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back, and with a strong east wind, he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I mean, picture this. This is not Universal Studios, little ride, tram ride where the water's like this. This is not some special effects. This was real water, like piled up, like walls of water on either side of them. And they're walking through it. Can you just imagine? I mean, even the, even the, the stout hearted about them were probably like, wow, look at that. That's, that is awe-inspiring. They were watching their God protect them. That was amazing. Then verse 23, the Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the, at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. There's another translation that said he hurled them. It's like he just smacked them into the water. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses as his servant. This brings me to my final observation. God works powerfully on our behalf, but he asks that we obey him first. God wants to do amazing things on our behalf, but he wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow him, to obey him. God asked Moses to do one thing. He said, stretch out your hand and command the waters to part. That was his command. And Moses had no idea. He'd never done this before, but he obeyed God's command. And they walked across on dry land. No muddy shoes. As God's children, he is our path maker. Our obedience to his voice is what determines whether or not we get through. Our obedience to his command is what gives us the guarantee that we'll walk through to the other side. But don't miss the beauty of this. I know that some people can be distracted by the circumstances. You're walking through, you're seeing the wall of water on either side, and you're thinking, can this hold? Are we going to be okay? What if this collapses? What if Moses doesn't have the power? What if, what if something goes wrong? We're, we're missing the miraculous right in the moment because we're worried about the circumstances on either side. Look for the miracle of God. Focus your attention on what God is doing, not on what's happening around you. And that's really hard in a moment like today. We have all kinds of noise and distractions right here as we're trying to film. But even in your circumstances, in your living room, wherever you're at, it's so hard sometimes to listen in, to tune into what God is doing right here because of all the noise and all the distractions. Obey, listen, tune in, and obey what God is telling you. 
That's how you move from this moment, this in-between to the next place God has for you. Don't miss it because you're uncomfortable, because it seems like it's lasting too long, because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Here's the deal. This might be your Red Sea moment. This might be one of those moments where God gets to step up and deliver you from something you just felt like you could never be free from, an addiction, a challenge, a pain in your marriage, a a brokenness in a relationship, a challenge in your health. There's something that you're going through that right now, this may be your Red Sea moment where God wants to step up and deliver you, but you must listen to his voice and obey his, his steps. Whatever God tells you to do, that's the next thing to do and trust him with the outcomes. I'm here to tell you, the devil is a liar. And for somebody who's watching today, you're in that boat where you're just sensing God is is trying to do something, but man, all the voices in your head are telling you this can never work, this is gonna end badly, or something is, you've got the negative, the liar that that is basically trying to pollute your thinking, is trying to convince you that God doesn't have you, God doesn't care about you, there is no God, or God is too busy with his other kids, or something else, or you're not worth it. But let me just assure you today that God is watching all of his children. God is involved in your story. It's not too late. You are not finished. Trust him always because there's not one need God cannot meet. There's not one sickness God cannot heal. There's not one mountain God cannot level. There's not one ocean God cannot part. There's not one problem God cannot answer. And there's not one soul God cannot heal, cannot draw, cannot save. Right now, you need to hear this. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Or 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Or Romans 8, 31. If our God is for us, who can be against us? Or Luke 1, 37. Nothing is impossible with God. Folks, there's some impossible stuff in your, in your world right now. There's some difficult things. There's some There's some Red Seas. There's some armies of the enemy. There's some things that just feel like they they want to take you out. Maybe it's just a hopeless feeling for you. Maybe it's just an in-between season where you just feel lost or confused. This is your moment. God wants to deliver you from your present pain to a future reality, but he wants you to take his hand and trust him. And I I would just invite you to join me in a prayer today as we close. And I just want you to, to just open your heart, whatever your environment, and just tune in with me to what God may be saying. Would you bow with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, in this story, we see that there's, there's crazy long routes to get sometimes where you want us to be. We learn that there are some important messages that you have for us in the in-between. You have taught us so many things just in the short time we've walked on this earth, But God, like the children of Israel, sometimes we lose heart. Sometimes we lose patience. Sometimes we let the negativity eclipse what's going on in the reality of our moment. And my prayer today is, God, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, that you would invade those with this moment of hope, this moment of truth, this moment of trust. And let us just take your hand. God, I pray for everyone who's watching, if there's anyone who's never placed their faith in you, that right this moment, they would just say, I'm in, I wanna, tr- I wanna put my faith in God, I need this hope. I believe in this miracle working God that, that I want him to lead my life. And so I pray, Lord God, you would just invade their space and just put the faith in them to take your hand and follow you. For those who just know they're just carrying a load of guilt and shame from their past, that this can be forgiven if they just put their faith in you and allow Jesus 
death on the cross to be their sacrifice for sin. I guess I just pray today, Lord God, you would set us free to trust and follow you. And if you are in this today and this is your first time, you can click the little link that says, I'm raising my hand. Just let us know that you're placing your faith in Jesus. And if you want to get in touch with us, we have resources to help you grow and continue your, your relationship with God. Family, I just am so excited about what God is doing in the midst of this crazy desert season and this in-between, and I can't wait till we're together again. But in the meantime, I'm praying for you. Let us know if we can serve you. And know this, that God is up to something amazing in the midst of your in-between. We'll see you next Sunday. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The sorrow may come, the darkest night. The cross has the The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. And evil may come, it's strong is fight. The cross has the final